Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. According to people familiar with the matter, United Health Group and Vista Equity Partners are nearing a deal to acquire and split up the health and education consultant advisory board company. Equities lower, worst level of the day right now on the Dow. 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. We've got the Dow down 155 points, down 7 tenths of 1%. S&P down 22, down 9 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ is down 63. That is a drop of 1%. Tenure down 11.30 seconds. Yield 2.36%. Gold up 260 the ounce to 12.24, up 2 tenths of 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 15 cents a barrel now, 45.28, higher by 3 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg. Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellett. The ETF report's coming up right here, and it's brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility, minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. Learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments. Here is that ETF report with Jenna Dagenhart. In the age of smart beta, one strategist is proud of his quote-unquote dumb ETF. They're like a basket of deplorable, if you will. They're the stocks that don't have good momentum, not necessarily high quality, and not low volatility. Vincent Delaware of INTLFC Stone says the dumb ETF has been performing well whenever Trump does well. It has a lot of banks and industrials. The idea is that as more money flows into the smart beta picks, the rate of return on the Dumb beta picks will have to increase. They will have to offer higher equity risk premium to compensate for a lack of inclusion in the index. So over the long term, you should outperform by owning the stock that the ETFs do not own. DUMB is not a real ticker right now, but Delaware hopes that will change. It's increasingly difficult to find tickers now because you know you have so many ETFs, about 3,000 ETFs. So, I mean, a name like Dumb hasn't been taken yet. So I greatly encourage ETF providers to rush for it. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Jenna Dagenhart. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Yes, indeed. Money does make the world go around. U.S. stocks, by the way, and bonds are trading lower today. We're seeing a correlation there. Hawkish stances by Global World Banks at play and the rise in yields weighing on stocks. With roughly 10 minutes left in today's trading session, let's hear from Jim Sarney, managing principal at Payton and Regal. Uh, nearly $100 billion in assets under management. Jim joining us on the phone uh, from Los Angeles. I believe you're in Los Angeles. I am, Carol. (laughs) Hey, nice to be talking with you. Uh, I feel like there's so much stuff going on globally with the G20 uh, getting underway here. When you uh, look at the markets, what do you think investors need to be focusing on right now? Well, I think the main thing that investors need to be focusing on is the long term, Carol. And I realize that with all this volatility that we've had of late, that it's it's hard to do that. But I think it's 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 important for investors to keep their eye on the ball and to not get too uh, caught up in the day-to-day volatility. And the long term is that things really, from a fundamental standpoint, have not changed all that much. We've had a significant uh, backup in rates here in the last uh, several days. And Does that, that tell us it, something? Does that tell us something, Jim, that backup in rates? Well, it tells us, yes, it tells us that the market sentiment has changed, and the market sentiment has changed from one of 
rates are likely to be, you know, remain relatively low for long just because of the the, um, the solid under, underlying fundamentals. But yet, um, and it's changed from that to something of, is this the beginning of the end of the bond market? And I don't think that's the case, but, but I think the market seems to be behaving that way. When we see the likes of Jeff Gunlock out there saying this is the beginning of the end of the bond market, should we assume that he's short? <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a pretty safe assumption, Corey. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, that's why it's always important to keep, keep, keep your eye on the ball. And, you know, we've, we've seen this movie before, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, the, the ultimate driver of long-term interest rates is inflation. And while inflation has picked up, it has not picked up in a significant way. And that will be, the, in my mind, that will be the ultimate arbiter of what rates do over the longer term. What's crazy is, though, every time I mention, you know, inflation, we're not seeing inflation because of, we look at some of the, you know, obviously the statistics out there. You know, uh, people are like, are you paying for education? Are you paying for X, Y, Z? Because it certainly feels like there's a lot of inflation um, out there. Yes, that's a very good point. Carol, but you know what we live, what we have to live with. Uh, clearly, the, the things, some of the things that we are, you know, as 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 consumers, are, are certainly that we're buying are certainly going up. But but what we live with in the markets, of course, is you know the the indices as they're defined. And even if you look at the Fed's preferred measure, which is the uh, PCE, mm-hmm. uh, you know, personal consumption expenditure index. Um, that's what they focus on, and they're the ones that are determining, you know, the, the, at least the direction of short-term rates. And we're simply not seeing inflation move up as quickly as even the Fed would like it to. Um, yeah, you know, they they made excuses for that though in their in their letter or their you know their minutes from their from their meetings. They said, well, these are one-time things, and there's a drop in the price of cell phones out there, and this is right. a, and drug prices fell this this quarter because they were artificially high before, so or this month, so it shouldn't matter. Right. But even if you look at some other measures, uh, there's, there's a, a Cleveland Fed measure of inflation where it throws out the outliers, Corey. And, and uh, you know, by any measure, yes, there is inflation out there. There's no question that inflation is out there. But um, the, I think the bigger, the important question is, is inflation likely to move up in a, it, to get out of control? And while, we're, while we are seeing inflation at the edges, notwithstanding some of these things that are, that are outliers, the fact of the matter is wages, which are the primary, uh, you know, one of the primary determinants of, of the overall inflation rate, notwithstanding where we are in the employment market, don't seem to be moving up in a significant way. Hey, let me ask you, uh, Jim, in terms of some of the moves that we've seen along the yield curve, what have you guys done differently in terms of strategy? I understand everybody's like, we're long-term, we're long-term, we're long-term. But yeah, are there yeah. any kind of strategic uh, changes that you're making in terms of asset allocation and portfolio uh, adjustments? Not in a big way, Carol. I mean, we're, we, we've been a little bit on the defensive end in terms of duration, and, and uh, it's not that we don't think that we're going to see rates rise. We've been, uh, you know, somewhat anticipating a, a, a so-called flattening of the yield curve, and in that, in that uh, long rates would not, uh, when rates did start to move up, that it would be mainly contained to the short end rather than the long end. So we, you know, we have had portfolios positioned for that, but but we have had a credit overweight in portfolios, uh, in both the investment grade space and below investment grade space, uh, for quite some time now. And uh, while we've made some changes at the margins, as as you know, markets have performed quite well uh, recently. No big changes at the margin. We've been anticipating a slightly more defensive um, rate posture, you know, for, in terms of a slightly shorter duration, and anticipating that the curve might flatten somewhat, as it has. 
Uh, and we've also seen a lot of funds moving to higher risk when it comes to the bond market and looking at uh, more and more junk. Uh, I'm not referring to Illinois and their municipals, but I'm, I'm talking right. about corporate junk. And I wonder what your notion of that and uh, if there is actual risk in that trade. Well, that trade being, you know, movement to to uh, you know, to the to continued movement in the credit markets. I don't think I, I think that we are at a point in the market where a rising tide will not raise all boats. So, with the proper credit work and and knowing that all sectors will not go up, um, I think that the credit cycle has a ways to go. So, in terms of any material pickup and defaults or anything like that that would that would cause some sort of a, uh, of an end to the credit cycle, I don't think it's over. However, we've had many sectors move up pretty dramatically. So just from a relative return standpoint, some sectors, you know, will, will, will continue to do well. Perhaps those are a little bit more defensive. But I think that move, that, uh, continued investments in the credit markets and an overweight in the credit markets still makes a lot of sense, particularly if we, if, if this rising rate environment continues. Just quickly, 20 seconds, Jimmy, you want to have exposure to Illinois? Or do you? No, we do not. Okay. That was quick. Thank it's you. On sale. He knows the time. It's on cue. sale, dude. Come it's on. It's on sale, yeah. <laughs> Two for one. Uh, Jim Sorney, thank you so much. Managing principal uh, at Payton and Regal. Uh, their fixed income shop, uh, predominantly nearly 100 billion in assets under management. Uh, Jim based and Payton and Regal based in Los Angeles, and that's where we found him on the phone on this Thursday. Don't go anywhere. We've got the closing numbers on Wall Street coming your way in just a moment. Carol Masser, Corey Johnson. Together, we are Bloomberg Radio.